The reading is from Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Wonderful, let's pray. Our loving Father, we thank you so much for the good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have uh, condescended to open our eyes, to draw us close, to understand it and to cherish it. We pray, Lord, that as we gather as a community around your word now, we pray that you'd be uh, cementing your gospel in our hearts and giving us a new joy in what it be, means to be called citizens of heaven. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, in life, I suppose we do crave a sense of belonging, a sense of home. And that anchor, that security, can take various forms. Uh, most often a family or a spouse or sometimes it could mean a club or a team, a society, or even an institution, a place of belonging. And that could be more than one place. And there's usually, that comes with that, a deep loyalty to our place of belonging, or at least the protection of it. It affects our behavior. We belong to them or to it, and they belong to me. It's safe, it's home. Well, at the moment, as we've been lift, already thinking about, we're looking at Paul, the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians, the church in Philippi. It was a bustling city on a popular trade route in Macedonia, which is now modern Greece. But what was its badge of honor was that it had a privilege of being a Roman colony. Despite being hundreds of miles from Rome, um, they were a Roman town in, in a sense. And that was no small thing. They were living in effect as citizens of Rome. The same language, the same laws, the same protection. It was Rome from Rome. And as we heard last week, its residents were very proud of it and let it show. This was their sense of belonging, of home. The aim, remember, was to be a good citizen, to have standing status, which did not bode well if you allied yourself with Paul, the criminal, or Jesus, the crucified saviour. And by all accounts, 
Now, 10 years later, Paul had come and preached the good news of Jesus. He had established the church, but now they were beginning, it seems, to wobble. Sure, the early part of the letter has shown Philippi to be in many ways an ideal, a model church, persevering in the faith, living for Christ, supporting Paul. But cracks now seem to be appearing. They're beginning to wobble. One writer likened them to a fence being battered by the wind. Yes, it's still standing, propped up by the occasional fence post, but really feeling weakened by the storms of life. I take it that you and I saw that fence and thought, hmm, I know what it means to wobble. Um, and perhaps that rings true for you today. Well, for the Philippians, as we'll see, the pressure of opposition, the attacks on their faith, is causing them the pressure to, for them to sort of splurge out, to, to, to fall out a little bit. Selfish behaviours creeping in, grumbling, arguing, putting others down. And there is a threat to their unity. And if unity goes, well then the church's stand for Christ and his gospel also goes. And we are all susceptible. Well, what does Paul do writing from his prison cell in Rome? What's he gonna, how's he going to encourage this church? Well, it's really fascinating because he appeals to their sense of citizenship. Look with me at verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens. In other words, of all the things I'm writing to you, Philippi, this is the thing that I want you to take on board. This is the thing. Please underline it in red pen three times. And a more literal translation of this line, as we saw earlier, is behave as citizens worthy of the gospel of Christ. Only worthy of the gospel of Christ live out your citizenship. Uh, that's what the, the phrase manner of life is referring to in our modern versions. And the same word is found in chapter 3, verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So what Paul is saying is, you know what it means to live as citizens of Rome, Despite being 100 miles from there, you enjoy all its privileges, the status of being its citizens. Now, it may be a long way away, but you are citizens of heaven. Live it out. Live it as though it were true. Rome may be special, but one day it will be dust. Heaven, well, that is eternal, and it's more than special. So you can picture Paul, General Paul, marching up and down the battle line, the wobbly fence of the Philippian church. And he wants to raise their eyes to view their true home. And as he does so, he's doing two particular things, I think. Firstly, he is reassuring them. And secondly, reawakening them. He's reassuring them um, with all the privileges and wonder that they could imagine. Uh, not only in a glorious future, but today, because they are citizens of heaven. They're in this outpost in Philippi. 
and he's reawakening them to their responsibilities that come from being citizens of heaven. They have work to do as a church, brothers and sisters to serve. And he says, go for it. So let's look at those two headings in turn. Firstly, be reassured you are citizens of heaven. Remember, life is tough for these Philippians. Uh, verse 29 shows that they were suffering because of their faith in Jesus. And we can only imagine what they faced. Last week we heard of uh, shame, possible death because of their faith. Paul knew the precious himself. He had been to Philippi. He had been treated really badly. He had been locked up in prison. And Paul puts his arm around the church and he says, my dear brothers and sisters, if you're going to remember one thing, remember this. Your name, your name may be muck around here, but you are citizens of heaven. You belong to an eternal, compassionate, loving king, the king above all kings. And you're serving him in this outpost of his kingdom, this colony of heaven. And you've got all the privileges that that brings. You walk with Christ. And you have the help and comfort of the Holy Spirit. You've been given a church family as well to partner with, to stand side by side with. And it's all summed up in verse 28 in the word salvation. You are saved by Christ Jesus. You are on the winning side. For Jesus, who despite being very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. He became a servant and he became human likeness. He, appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death on a cross. But that wasn't the end. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is the victor, the Lord, to the glory of God the Father. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Jesus is our, our salvation, your salvation, mine. We deserve God's condemnation and wrath. He is a holy God. We've rebelled against him. We've all pushed him away. But he sent his son to be in the appearance of man, to die on a cross, to pay for that sin. All our condemnation was poured on him. And on that day when Jesus returns as our judge, he will look on us, those who put our trust in him, and he will love us because he knows us. He is our salvation. He is our king. So Philippi, Rome, Banbury, London, they're just outposts, temporary stopping points. Heaven is your true city. And that's where the Lord Jesus will hold us physically. What does, the, uh, what does Ephesians 2 say? Do you remember? God raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's as though we're in heaven today, already seated, uh, which means we have the authority or at least a measure of the authority of Christ. 
which is that sort of bold front foot thinking that Paul is going on about here. Verse 28, we're not to be frightened. We belong to the victor, the Lord Jesus Christ. And did you notice in verse 29, this salvation is a gift, says Paul. It's been granted to you on behalf of Christ to believe in him. God caused them to believe, caused us to believe. And it's how the letter starts, verse 6 of chapter 1. He began a good work in them, and it will bring it on to completion that final day. Everything is from God. And Paul says, interestingly, so is your suffering. It's a good thing. Be reassured, verse 28, your suffering is a sign of your salvation. It's become the litmus test that you are the true article, the real McCoy. And Paul here is actually talking about suffering because of faith, because of our our faith in Christ. You see, as Christians, you are disciples of Christ. You are followers of him. And where does Jesus take us as we follow him? Well, back to chapter 2, verse 5. He made himself nothing, a servant, humbling himself, being obedient to death. That's the route that Jesus takes. That's the path that we follow. And it's the pattern that we see in verse 29 of our passage. We believe and then we suffer. And then back to verse 28, we are saved. You've proved your salvation is genuine, says Paul. You've, you've enjoyed the privilege of suffering for his name, for Christ. You've stood with him, the captain, and you've taken the flag. But also your suffering is a sign of the destruction of your accusers. That's so encouraging in one way. This is the opposite of salvation. This is the banishment of God, the hope, the paradise, this, this heavenly city. Uh, true satisfaction and joy. Well, they're gone forever for those who are against Christ. There's two ways to live, for Christ or against Christ. There's no fence sitting. And there is two destinies, life, the heavenly city, or death, separation from him. In fact, you're standing firm in Christ, says Paul, despite the aggression, is a sign to your aggressors. Is a sign to your aggressors, not just to you, that they are ultimately defeated. It's a warning to them. So verse 28, no need to be afraid. In fact, it is them that should be fearful. Verse 12, no, not verse 12. I'm going to quote Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, and make straight paths for your feet. Dust yourselves down, stick your chin up. You're on the winning side. It may look grim, but Jesus faced grim, and it became glory. Your opposers look glorious, but soon they will taste the grim. Be reassured, your path is salvation. You are citizens of heaven. So that's the first sort of point. 
Uh, the second point is, you know, first, be reassured. Secondly, be reawoken. You are citizens of heaven. Which has already begun to happen, hasn't it? In this pep talk of Paul's, he's going up and down the wobbly fence. Do you remember Acts chapter 12? Peter is languishing in Herod's jail and suddenly an angel appears, the light shines in the cell. And what does he do? The angel kicks put Peter awake. <laughs> the chains fell off and he instructs Peter to put his clothes, sandals and cloak on and marches him out of the prison. There's work to be done. Well here, citizenship means responsibility. There's work to do. Live it out, says Paul. Look with me at verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. <clears throat> Did you notice the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ? Uh, brackets that. It starts and finishes the verse. <clears throat> they are to live for Christ. The gospel. It is to dominate their entire existence. At 13,420 feet, one of the highest cities in the world is Potosi in Bolivia. And the city is shaped around the mountain called the Cerro Rico. It dominates the town, as you can see. It's always in the eye line and it's always in their mind because this town is a mining town and in that mountain was all that seemed to be all the silver of the world, mostly gone now. Well, here, Paul paints a picture of a people, a church, living in the shadow of the gospel, living for the gospel. Everything gravitates towards it. Every decision, every choice. Remember the prayer back in chapter one, uh, that you'll be excellent, making the best choices, discerning what is best for the gospel. It means living for Jesus in a way that those around us should see that Jesus is in us. That is holy living. And as God said to the people that he had rescued out of slavery in Egypt, be holy because you are holy. I've made you holy. I've set you apart as my people. Now get on and do it. Living as citizens of heaven uh, because we are citizens of heaven. And wonderfully, the church is to do this together. We cannot be lone soldiers doing our own thing. Uh, what can we do as an army of one? Certainly we can't link shields, uh, which we'll come look at in a moment. Now, whoever we are, we're part of a team, a family, an army, whether we're school children, uh, whether, we're whether we're students or, or cleaners or accountants or, or IT technicians, whether we're parents or musicians, we're together and we have this work together. Remember the church is under pressure, their heads are dropping, the fence is swaying and it's causing this infighting. Well, verse 27, whether Paul is looking over their shoulder or writing from overseas, he wants to hear that they're standing firm in one spirit. This is the language of unity. They are, or we are as well, to withstand the external pressures, the persecution, the false teaching and so on, they must be united in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the key to 
uh, our unity as a church is this they are to be one-minded verse 27 striving side by side not for a faith a list of common values and so on no for the faith of the gospel the gospel that we find in chapter two that jesus christ is lord this is what the church are to strive side by side in loving and supporting one another and that's not so clear in our version here uh, but they're to have one heart and mind a mutual love affections aimed at one another seeking the best for each other meaning sacrificial living and which paul will expand upon in chapter two but also challenging one another learning together growing meeting regularly under god's word the gospel praying sharing that koinonia that fellowship together it's a wonderful picture isn't it of a church gravitating around the mountain of the gospel a division of soldiers linking shields do you remember i said earlier uh, like the tortoise of the roman soldier i don't know if some of your children are doing this at school studying the roman army but it's a defensive look how defensive that is um the arrows can't penetrate uh, and uh, that but what they're doing is they're going forward they're attacking um they're moving forward despite their defensive position and we're not to be frightened says paul moving forward all the time in fact striving forward side by side together as one it's a the striving is an athletic term straining for the finish line will come again and again in this in this letter which means not coasting or sitting back getting into our hammock and sipping our pina coladas um the deck chair christian if you like um there are no passengers in the church family sure there'll be times when we need to be looked after and cared for and uh, we need that rest and take that breather the general movement is together moving forward um uh, perhaps like a rugby scrum uh, this sort of uh, athletic uh, binding together it's going to be tough but come on folks let's go for it citizens uh, citizenship means work co co contending together side by side for the gospel so that citizenship is is a duty word isn't it uh, the roman citizens they felt they were roman citizens they knew that they had a duty to that and we have a duty uh, to one another says paul looking out for each other and uh, we'll look at that more and more as these weeks go on so this is a picture of a of a church being shaped by the gospel together in the gospel working together binding together uh, for the gospel work the koinonia that's what it means to be citizens of heaven it's a wonderful and joyous reality to be reminded of so where is home for you where is your sense of belonging that anchor that's security or perhaps you're still looking for it but paul says it's only found in the lord jesus and brothers and sisters be reassured your citizenship is in heaven a glorious privilege you can enjoy today be reawoken your citizenship is in heaven this wonderful responsibility a task to do and a people to do it with amen well, we're going to say that creed again the wonderful um song from philippians chapter 2 
to reaffirm our, our trust in him, our commitment to Jesus Christ as Lord. So let's say this, uh, if you can, with me in the bold 